Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brame. Crossover, step back! Ah! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everyone? Sam Franco and Chris Brain back. It is the Crossover Podcast. It is 960theref.com. And it is our pleasure to say that we were right in declaring Georgia the SEC East champs before they actually took the field against Kentucky uh, last week when we were on here saying that that was pretty much not a game that Georgia had to worry too much about. Sam, I boldly predicted that uh, during the offseason. I said Georgia <laughs> would repeat as East champs and, uh, you know, here the dogs are after two impressive wins in the uh, their last two games, both you know one on a neutral field, the other on the road against teams at the time ranked in the top ten, mm-hmm. and uh, Georgia ends up handling both of them with ease. Yeah, we'll dive into how the Kentucky game went. We'll also look ahead. We'll talk about Auburn for a little bit. I mean, it is the Deep South's oldest rivalry, but Georgia's favored by 14 points in that bad boy, so it should be another game that Georgia is able to handle. And then... You've got UMass, you've got Tech. Again, games that Georgia shouldn't be worried about. And yes, I know that the Munsons out there that uh, like to uh, live in the past may be worried about Tech, but one person that is not worried about a team that has an option quarterback that isn't super great at running the option and another option quarterback that's great at running the option but can't throw the ball to save his life. So I'm not super worried about that one either. Uh, But Alabama, that one is coming up, so we'll talk about that game a little bit. We'll also talk about Alabama and LSU because that's what set up this game with Georgia beating Kentucky. And then uh, towards the end of the pod today, we'll give uh, Tom Crean and the Dogs some love as both teams, the Joni Taylor's uh, Lady Dogs and Coach Crean's uh, men's basketball team are starting things up with a little doubleheader in Athens Friday night. A little pre-Auburn chance to go watch a different form of uh, Georgia athletics as uh, they start their seasons up. So we'll hit that at the end. But first and foremost, DeAndre Swift, that's where I want to start because that guy looks like he is back to being his best, especially throughout the season. He had a groin injury. You know, those kind of muscle injuries, soft tissue, they're very hard to overcome very quickly. They're just kind of things that you kind of got to let work themselves out. And you could tell it had been bothering him at certain times of season. It does not look like that's the case anymore. Uh, no, it doesn't. He looks like the uh, the guy that's the reason I took a 25-1 to flyer on him to win the Heisman Trophy during the uh, the summer. I mean, because he is back. And those first couple games of the season, I mean, I kept saying it. They're, they're, something's off about him. He doesn't seem like he's healthy. Uh, he definitely seems uh, like he's got some sort of injury nagging him. And eventually he did come out and admit that he had been dealing with a uh, groin injury. But that 100% now looks like a thing of the past. And that explosiveness... That, uh, that first touchdown he run he had at Kentucky was just a thing of beauty. With the move that he put on, that quick, uh, that quick step, just left a lot of laundry on the field. And that's going to be, you know, moving forward now over these last three games and then into the SEC championship game against you-know-who, having him 100% on an offense 
is going to be a real key to uh, – I mean, look, Georgia's already a great team having a great season, but they were able to persevere and win some games without him completely healthy. Now if you get him at 100%, then – It's night know. and day. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's a whole different animal dealing with Georgia's offense. And it also makes Elijah Holyfield that much more effective because he comes in with a different style than DeAndre Swift. So you let DeAndre Swift kind of slash and get those big, big chunks of yards, and then you let Holyfield come in as that battering ram to kind of wear defenses out. I mean, it is the perfect one-two punch. Yeah, and don't forget Swift, too, potentially in the passing game. I think he's had two – Georgia's had two throws to him this year. The one, I think it was in the Tennessee game – where they had like this little string, screen set up perfectly, and he just like turned his head around and wanted to run too soon, and ended up dropping it. I think if he catches that, he scores. And there was another one, and was it maybe the Florida game that uh, that he dropped too? But you know, he's he's that weapon potentially. You can throw it to him, get him the ball, and in, in those different ways, and that is definitely a, a big boost here to this offense, which had already been obviously really good this season. But it was really good without having him at 100%. But there's no doubt now he looks like he is uh, charged up and ready to go here for these next uh, four games now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Georgia, again, it kind of feels like almost like the season is starting over in a sense because you know Georgia's going to, which is basically a quarterfinal uh, for the playoff in the SEC championship game. And if Georgia wins that, they're right back in the playoff. So... Uh, I totally think that the, the, it feels like the season is reset from that perspective, but it also feels like that the season is resetting just because Georgia looks a lot healthier now. I know that the offensive line has been banged up, but I think getting to see some of that depth and these freshmen come in makes you feel a lot better about sure. that. Sure, yeah. I mean, the what Jordan Davis has been producing over the last uh, couple of games to maybe help strengthen that run defense, which... Uh, you know, has been a, a, a weak spot on the uh, team, but you know, they certainly handled Benny Snell. That's the worst game he had had in his career against uh, against Georgia, just uh, averaging less than four yards a carry. He had gone for over five yards a pop in the two previous games against uh, against us that he had played. That is one, like, interesting thing that's gone on this season with uh, with Georgia is every game, the ones that we've won, I mean, the LSU game was just a complete wash, but um, – you know, when you think back to the second game of the season against South Carolina and, you know, well, Debo Samuel was the the guy for them and he had six catches, but for like 30 something yards, it was like six for 33. I mean, so he really wasn't a factor. You went to the Missouri game and of course, all the focus and attention was on Drew Locke. We did a good job against him. I mean, I'm even thinking of like the Florida game with Ja'Kai Polite on their defense, didn't really hear from him. And then you get to Kentucky and so much is on... Uh, you know, so much of the talk about Kentucky is on, well, there's their linebacker, Josh Allen, who I know did recover two of those fumbles. But other than that, I mean, it really didn't have much of an impact for them defensively. And then, uh, and then even Benny Snell, that George has done a good job of like taking away the, like the main threats for all these teams that they've played this year. I was never worried about Kentucky. And for the reasons that all these people gave you like Benny Snell and Josh Allen. And I'm like, okay, what else you got? Because after Benny Snell, you know what Kentucky has for running back? Nothing. At least nothing of consequence. No, I mean, even with him, their offense is – I mean, their offense ranked like 109th if you look at like S&P+. Plus, so. It's extremely one-dimensional. And yeah, they got I mean, very lucky to beat Missouri. Yeah, I mean, even with him, they had scored – when the three games in the month of October leading up to uh, to the game last weekend, they had scored 14, 14, and 15 
and one of those games went to overtime in two of those because they scored a defensive touchdown at Texas A&M, and then they had the punt return against Missouri and scored that one offensive touchdown on that um, on that untimed down. So, yeah, I got to admit, I mean, at the start of the week, I was I was worried. You know, the Kentucky game was definitely it was you know it was there was some concern. I think some legitimate concerns to to be had there. But man, as the your week, co-host is rubbing off on you, man. Well, as the, the week wore on, I started to like think about you know what. If, like, let's say we were having a great year in basketball and we're about to play Kentucky, it, like, who would win that game? Well, it's like, well, Kentucky, because that's their sport. Mm. But uh, so it just came – it started to just – the more and more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, this is football, it's the SEC. And, like, this was for the SEC championship or the SEC East title. Like, was is Kentucky going to beat a program like Georgia to make it to Atlanta? And uh, by the time we got to, like, the end of the week, I was – I had settled on the answer to that question being no, and that's what it turned out to be. Bad week for Kentucky, by the way, getting thumped by Georgia in their first ever chance to get to the SEC championship game. And then Tuesday night, they take on Duke over in Indianapolis, and Zion Williamson and company just housed them. I mean, just completely destroyed them. Zion Williamson, by the way, future Hawk. Is that your call? And how many, I guess, one year, next year? Would you take him number one overall? I didn't watch the game. I saw the final. <laughs> I mean, they beat him by, what did you say? 30-something, right? He's 6'7", 285. So the Hawks, That's a basketball player. I mean, the Hawks are going to have to win the lottery, though, to get him. That's true. And, you know, you, with the history of the lottery, have you seen any of that love and basketball thing that they've been running on ESPN? A little bit. They had a little much. bit about the Ewing draft. And, like, you had David Stern, like, scoff at the notion that they fixed the draft right. or fixed the lottery. And then they, they talked to these two other guys that I guess were execs of the NBA at the time, and they asked them, and both of them had these awkward pauses before they answered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it'd be funny for the Hawks. Who was it that they – didn't they erase, like, a 30-point deficit against Dallas? Yes, like early and they came in- back and won. Yeah, well, they kind of did that the other night. Too. That'll be funny if, like that. I mean, even though like you you get you get to April and the end of the season, if the Hawks don't end up with like the worst record by like a couple games, it'd be like, why well, did you come back? Why did they Dallas? come back from thirty down against Dallas? But <laughs> I know, but that is like that's crazy with Duke to have all those freshmen and go out and just pummel Kentucky like that. Yeah, so just a bad week on the bluegrass <laughs> when they start the basket. It's like, well, it's like when they lose to Georgia, they're like. Well, at least we have basketball. Who we got? Duke to start the season. We're, we're number two. They're number four. We should be fine. Which, by the way, how the hell do you rank Kentucky number two when they're all freshmen and you have no idea? Well, how wasn't they're Duke go? all freshmen? They were four. Much? That's what I'm saying. How yeah. do you rank these teams like that when they're all freshmen? Just, you don't know. Just Duke and Kentucky. And Kentucky was favored. They were. Yeah. And then Duke just housed them. So uh, just a bad week for Kentucky. But Georgia, moving on now, will take on Auburn this weekend, and. I don't really have a whole lot for this game. Like I said, Georgia's favored by 14. I wish they would come out wearing black jerseys. It's a night game. You know, it would be the 10-year anniversary of the blackout in 07. Unfortunately, when we flipped the schedule and had to play them twice in a row on the planes, that meant that we're not on the same uh, yeah. you know, level anymore. So this is actually the 11th anniversary of that game. But we were talking about this with some people this week, and it's just like, can you imagine? I know that fake juice, whatever. But the noise that permeated from that stadium in 2007 when they broke that banner wearing black jerseys, I've never heard anything like that in my life. It's the loudest I've ever heard that stadium, and it hasn't gotten really close to that since. Maybe 2013 LSU is is a game that definitely got pretty loud, but it's just one of those things where it'd be nice. But that's 
another discussion for another day. In terms of the actual matchup with Auburn, I just don't see them being able to score. Their offense is so bad. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting next three weeks uh, at home for Georgia because you've got an Auburn team that, yeah, is a big rival, but we're favored to beat by two touchdowns, and I agree with you. You look at their offense, and it's not, uh, it's not very good. When Auburn scares you as a Georgia fan, it's when they've got just a big-time running back, and yep, they don't have they don't one have of those this year. Missing carry-on badly. Yeah, and then you've got uh, UMass for the mysterious 4 o'clock kickoff. George will be playing in that. And then a noon start against Tech, which I guarantee has got my co-host in the afternoon absolutely frightened. To the, oh, he's, uh, he's scared uh, of oh, The guys, I mean, I guarantee he's having nightmares. I can't wait to talk to him because I've been out all week. You and have been, him. that's right. <laughs> uh, so I can't wait to discuss with him we, us kicking off at noon. But as far as the atmosphere in the stadium goes, it's going to be interesting because I, I guarantee like a lot of Georgia fans are already talking and thinking about Alabama because Auburn's not feel, looking like a threat. Obviously, UMass isn't. And uh, Tech certainly doesn't feel like one either. So I don't know, maybe like the black jersey gimmick is something Georgia does need to do to try and get a little energy in that place because I could see it being a little bit dead in the next couple of games. Yeah, I wouldn't say so for Auburn, but I would definitely say so for UMass and, and Tech being a noon kick. Tech's going to be help. tough. Noon, Thanksgiving weekend. I could see Georgia busting out the blacks for the UMass game, but you know what that is? That's lame. That's lame. That's lame. Like we, didn't we do that against like uh, La- Lafayette. Lafayette? Last yeah. time we wore them was 2016. We didn't wear them last year. But we did it against Lafayette in 2016. That's lame. Having a, we were having a lousy year yes. and did it against a lousy opponent. Lame. Yeah. That's the thing. People are like, oh, I don't want you to do it against a big-time opponent. Well, I don't want you to do it against a crap opponent because that's stupid and that's lame. Yeah. Do, you need to do it. And then here's the thing. Georgia's 3-1 and one in these uniforms, by the well, way. And they They've worn look, them four times. And they They've only better lost at, one time. Yeah, and they look better at night, too. They do. Like, if you wear them at noon, I think they look better under the lights, oh, right so there Saturday would be the best It would be perfect, do. because Georgia doesn't have another scheduled night game. You know where you're not doing it? In the SEC Championship game nah, against hope, Alabama. I hope they don't you're do it You're certainly not doing it then. Yeah, they better not do it and there. Somebody accused me of wanting us to be like Oregon when I brought this up, and I'm like, what are Georgia's colors? Red and black. You're, just talking, you're talking about one jersey for a game. Oregon wears a different kit every week. Georgia's colors are red and black. You know who wears black? Men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, baseball, gym dogs, Equestrian uniforms. Yeah, everyone works it in. I could, I could, li- but I'm talking about primarily black uniforms. All I'm saying here is for the fun vampires out there that want to get after me saying it's tradition, it's tradition. Georgia's colors have been red and black for decades. That's tradition. Coach Donnan took Georgia with Kirby Smart on the team into Jacksonville. They wore red tops and black pants. Yeah, black pants. You remember when Herschel Walker ran over we Bill wore Bates? Red pants. What color pants was he wearing? We wore black face masks in, uh, I think it was the Liberty or the Independence Bowl one time against Arkansas. Exactly. Yeah. Tweaks to the uniform. There's nothing wrong with it. It's for the recruits. And quite frankly, as I was talking about, look, you're not going to need extra juice against Auburn, but the stadium, I guarantee you, would be louder if they came out in black at least to start the game yeah you, it mean, would you be might louder. need that for a less you know flat atmosphere i don't know because it is again georgia I, I guarantee most a lot of fans are just ready for like these next three games to go and let's get to right. alabama but i'll just, just say the main it, event when they don't wear black on saturday night against auburn but then come out and wear it against umass for four o'clock i'm gonna be mad <laughs> because be lame. that is lame that is lame yeah. very very lame so that's really all I got for Auburn. I mean, in terms of breaking down the game, I think the biggest matchup that doesn't favor Georgia is Auburn's very good defensive line 
against Georgia's running game. That well, would be the I'm, only thing I'd be concerned. Yeah, and I mean our offensive line, which has just been beaten up. I mean, you've had uh, you know Ben Cleveland's been out. Andrew Thomas has been playing, nicked up. Uh, now you got Cade Mays is a little bit beaten up. I guess Gilliard got hurt last week at Kentucky. So, yeah, I mean their defensive line against our offensive line is. Uh, frightening. You know, one thing I got to say for Auburn too last week, watching them rally and come back and beat Texas A&M, you know, I was kind of hoping they'd lose that game and maybe it'd be a sign of them just, you know, they've, they're cashing in what chips they've got left this season and they're pretty much done. But, you know, the fact that they at least still put up a fight and rallied and won that game last week shows that they might come in here with a little bit of spirit, but ultimately... That was more A&M blowing it, in my opinion. True, yeah. I mean, like, Auburn's had a weird year. Like, if you look, they've got two wins this year where their, you know, their win expect their post-game win expectancy was less than 50%. Last week's game against A&M and their season opening win against Washington. But they've also got two losses this year where their post-game win expectancy was well above 50%. Their loss to Tennessee and even their loss to LSU. Um, that loss to LSU seemed to be the one that really drained them. Because they came back that next week, and they did beat Arkansas 34-3, to but they had a kick return for a touchdown. Uh, Arkansas turned it over a couple times. Auburn's average starting field position in that win over Arkansas was the 48-yard line. So, you know, and Arkansas just couldn't score, but Auburn couldn't move the ball really or run the ball against them. And then they beat, I guess, Southern Miss by 11 or so. So, I mean, it was really... I think that, that LSU game did zap them a little bit. Their mm-hmm. best performance of the year was that win at Ole Miss, though, a couple games ago. It's funny to me, too, how Georgia's last two opponents, like Kentucky was coming off of a win they should not have had against Missouri. Missouri crapped their pants and, and kind of gave it to them. Same with Auburn now yeah. with Texas yeah. A&M, who completely capitulated at the end of that game. Yeah, I know. Good point. And, um, you know, a difference, though, I think this week and – and last week is I, I think there's less hand wringing now going on this week about like, boy, I mean, could Georgia lose? I mean, is Georgia in danger? I think most, you know, this week now it's like, no, we're going to beat Auburn. That does bring up maybe a little bit. And again, I'm speaking to the Munson crowd here, the, the, the worry warts, if you will. If you go in with overconfidence like that, like a lot of Georgia well, fans, there, there is that to worry about. Like what I've noticed about the team in the last couple of games is they appear to have, have and like, here's the thing about, the you know whatever criticisms have existed about this Georgia team this year I think have been valid like the dogs have struggled to stop the run when people were upset after the loss to LSU you lost to LSU and you got blown out by LSU and scored 16 points in that uh, game it's not like people have just been making stuff up about this team but for whatever reason, it seems to have really like ignited them and fueled them the last couple of games. And now they're here's a week where they're not like, wait a second, who's talking bad about us? Right. And it's going to be like, well, nobody is this week. Well, what what's the biggest difference in the way that Alabama went to LSU and played versus the way that Georgia went to LSU and played? For me, the number one element was not being able to stop LSU's running game. Because I feel like eventually Georgia's offense would have started to play a little better. And I just don't – look, obviously Alabama went in there with Tua Tungavailoa, so that's one thing. But I just feel like the inability to stop the run is really the what was the biggest problem for Georgia against LSU because they couldn't get that very pedestrian offense off the field. Well, and there weren't too many times that LSU 
uh, started to hurry it up like they did against us, but when they did, Alabama handled it much better than we did. And Georgia didn't nearly put enough pressure or put the game on Joe Burrow enough, and that's what Alabama did, and that's why we saw you know them struggle. Well, here's something else that ticked me off. They went for like every fourth down against us, mm-hmm. and then they had a couple of fourth and ones and fourth and twos against Alabama, and they punted. When? Against us, it was like well, they were going for it and making them. I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't you? Why didn't you punt against us? Well, and in the fourth quarter when Coach O lines up for that field goal that they missed, it's like, dude, <laughs> why? Wait, why? Just trying to avoid the shutout. Why are yeah. you doing that? Yeah. Like, anytime you see a coach do that, that's chicken crap. Sure. Like, to me, I'm just like, are you kidding me? And I like that <laughs> That kicker's been so good for them. Cole Tracy, and then he missed it. <laughs> that's what you I, get, man. Yeah. I guess, though, like, he's made so many big kicks for him, though. If he was due to miss one, better just do it in a game like that. Get it out of your system. Georgia and Alabama right now – it would. I mean, the line on a neutral field is double digits. I, I, I would assume somewhere between you know eleven and fourteen. I don't know if it'd be fourteen. I think I've seen like eleven, ten, twelve. I, that I've seen those for projected like champ, like national title game matchups, which would be in California as opposed to think, being in Atlanta. I would think in Atlanta it wouldn't be as high. But I, I know. I mean, I've seen some of these floating out there with Bama versus Clemson, Bama versus Michigan, and some of these hypothetical national title game matchups. Right. And yeah, I mean, Bama's, I think, uh, I mean, at least a two-touchdown favorite and just about across the board. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. You know, we, we can talk about prognostication and lines and all that all you want, but this game is actually going to happen in a few weeks. And I think when you're looking at it, I think Georgia has some potential to – I still think Alabama's going to win the game. I'll flat out say that right now. But I do think that there are some things that Georgia could do to exploit some things about Alabama. The first thing I would do is throw it deep. I, I would definitely try to test that secondary because they have been relatively untested. I know that that's easier said than done because it's hard to get the ball out quickly against them. But if Georgia can you know, utilize their really talented wide receivers – in, you know, Miko Hardman, uh, J.J. Holloman, uh, Terry Godwin, Riley Ridley. I mean, Georgia's got receivers, and we haven't really seen the vertical passing game be a priority for Georgia this year that much. But I think against Alabama, that might be a way to kind of catch them off guard, take the top off the defense early on. Well, that was my uh, that was my big spin when they played Ole Miss in the third game of the season. Still early in the year, Ole Miss has got a great passing attack, and I felt like Alabama was vulnerable there. And it turned out the first play of the game, I was right. Ole Miss hit them with that 75-yard touchdown. Yeah. And then Bama won 62-7, to so... But I mean, but yeah. Other than that, you're right. I mean, they're trying have, to think of ways to attack this defense, which is yeah. Otherworldly. I mean, yeah, Missouri brought in Drew Locke, but I know Emmanuel Hall didn't play in that game, so he didn't have his full complement of weapons. Here's like here's my my first thought on the matchup. One thing I noticed last week, a lot of uh, not I mean, some Georgia fans were doing to help talk themselves into to to Georgia beating Kentucky was looking at common opponents, and that was fair. I mean, the teams we had played. Mm-hmm. That Kentucky had also played. I hate that law of transference. We nonsense, had been much. But I'm just saying, though, for Georgia fans that were able to, they were they were made themselves feel good about doing that with Kentucky. I would I would advise you not to do no. that in this matchup with Alabama uh-uh. because <laughs> if you want to evaluate our performance and versus their performance against common opponents, the only one is LSU, right? No Tennessee. Oh, that's right. They do Missouri play Tennessee every year. Uh, oh, that's right. The Missouri, those are the two teams. That's yeah. Right. Um, 
I guess that's it now. Tennessee, Auburn, Missouri. But, they mean, haven't played Auburn yet. I mean, we both, both of them play will Auburn. play Auburn, right? Uh, so I guess we'll see. But right now, it's not. It doesn't look good for Georgia. No, it does not. So. Absolutely not. But here's the thing: where there's a, so you're saying there's a chance. And I think that if Georgia maybe tried to take the top off, here's another thing in terms of an SEC championship wrinkle. Could Kirby and the coaching staff have been kind of playing Justin Fields sort of not a lot, and then maybe we see in the SEC championship him just inserted into these like maybe. Ridiculous. But that's the thing: what do you have to lose? Because Alabama has struggled in the past against more mobile quarterbacks. So maybe up to this point, Georgia's been kind of trying to lull everybody to sleep as, oh, they don't use fields that much. And then it gets Alabama. You throw them in there and let them do work. No, I mean, once you get to that game, it's just that's uh, – got to do everything you can. Yeah, I mean, it's all or nothing because mm-hmm. Georgia can't lose that game and make the playoff. You have nope. to win it. And at You the, lose that game, you're probably going to either the Sugar Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's, that's not bad. Right. But. In that game, you're either winning and going to the playoff or you're losing, and at the end of it, you still had a really good season, mm-hmm. and you're going to go to a really good bowl game. Mm-hmm. So it's just you might as well just leave it all out there that uh, – that's Saturday. Although I'm starting to see these projections. I don't really want to see Georgia-Oklahoma again. No, I don't you? either. Yeah. No, we did that last year, that two teams had never played. I don't want to immediately play them again. No. I would much rather play a Texas or a West Virginia. Just something different. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I've seen those Oklahoma-Georgia projections for the, uh, for the Sugar Bowl, mm-hmm. and I don't want, uh, yeah, I don't want that either. Like, I that would was, love between – because I think one of these teams is missing out on the playoffs between Notre Dame and Michigan – I would love to see Georgia, maybe not Notre Dame, because we're going to play them again next year. And we just played them. And Michigan we just played them. But Michigan would be cool. Yeah, for sure. That'd be a go cool against matchup. Harbaugh. But like Notre Dame now, I mean, they're Florida State's awful. But I guess got to keep an eye on how long Ian Book is going to be out. Yeah, they I mean, said he's, he's out only for out game. for this game. But if Syracuse he doesn't play against Syracuse, they're going to lose. Yeah, and that game gonna... also is funky. It's in Yankee Stadium. Sure. Notre Dame's wearing some like Yankee pinstripe special uniform i mean so maybe they'll point at that if they lose well in syracuse i mean syracuse is in line to maybe make a new year six ball too so that game is you know oddly big they've got two losses and one of them's at clemson yeah so there's our look ahead to alabama as we can do that the team can't as they have auburn coming up and regardless red black white whatever they wear the stadium's still going to be extremely juiced up for that game I could see a little bit of a yawner letdown for the next two, especially with Tech being at noon. we got to figure something out there. I mean, that game is always at noon, it seems like, recently. And it just seems that that kind of puts Georgia, especially being at Sanford and Tech's won the last two here, at a little bit of a disadvantage. What's the like? What's the network showing it? Is on, well, the thing is, so... Is it the Flex, like ABC or well, ESPN? Well, no, obviously CBS has the Iron Bowl that day. There are other SEC versus SEC matchups like Tennessee and Vandy, and I think the SEC network has to prioritize matchups that are SEC versus SEC as opposed to an ACC team being involved. So that's why I think Georgia and Tech got slated at noon. So what channel is it on? SEC network. Oh, it's on the SEC network. That's what I'm saying. I think the SEC network has to prioritize SEC versus SEC matchups which is why Tennessee and Vandy got four. They got a better time slot. But also, I mean, the SEC Network knows, hey, we have a Georgia and Tech game. We, we, we have the number you know five team in the country. 
If we put them on at noon, we can get eyeballs because we're not going to get eyeballs for that 4 o'clock spot because it's right up against the Iron no, Bowl. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for, to me, for, for someone that's just going to watch games on TV all day, I like it because the Georgia Tech game will be on at noon. That'll take us right into the Iron Bowl at 3.30. Which I'm not but, super pumped about watching this year because Alabama's going to shred well, them yeah, like they do anybody that's a good, else. Yeah, that's a good point. I probably will end up watching something else at. I mean, uh, I'm going to watch until Alabama's up probably 28 to nothing, and then go. they go, especially since Bama lost to them last year. Because I look, we need to keep our eye on Alabama. But Dave and I almost had a little argument about this on the morning show the other day. Like it felt felt like he was like getting mad at me because I was like, eh, I'm probably not going to watch intently LS or Alabama and, and Auburn. And he's like, Well, it's the Iron Bowl. I'm like, Yeah, but Auburn's going to get their butt kicked. They're going to be a double digit under. They're probably going to be a 20 plus point underdog. Yeah, because that game's in Tuscaloosa this yes. year. Yeah, yeah, you're probably spot on there. Yeah, the, so the I mean, it's, it's not that I'm not going to watch it. It's just that I'm not super pumped to watch it because Alabama's going to slaughter them just like well, they have everybody else. No, a game that weekend, like the Apple Cup, will be much bigger because Absolutely. even with Washington's losses, they still if they I mean if they win their next two games, then that game is still going to determine the yep. Pac-12 North champs. And so. Washington State is hanging right around that bubble watch for the playoff. I mean, they would have to have some help. I mean, if they won out, Oklahoma would have to lose. Here's the thing. Ultimate chaos scenario starts with the Big 12. It's Oklahoma and West Virginia playing the week before the Big 12 title game. If one of those teams, say West Virginia wins that one, but then Oklahoma wins the Big 12 championship, that kills the Big 12's playoff chances. Yes. So then that's the chaos that I think Washington State wants. Uh, before we get out of here, I did want to throw some love out to Georgia basketball. They are starting their season, both the men and women, uh, Friday night over at the Steg. The women playing the Bonnies, St. Bonaventure, and the men playing Savannah State. I really liked what I saw in the exhibition game. Much more free-flowing. Uh, a guy like Tyree Crump has been given the green light as opposed to being in the doghouse for not getting back on one defensive play, so we didn't see him for six weeks after that. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's given the green light. A lot of these guys are given the green light. I mean, Mike Edwards shot a three, I think, in the exhibition. So there, this is going to be a lot different, a lot uh, much more exciting, I guess, uh, to watch, much more of a program that's going to get up and down the floor. I mean, they scored 98 points. How many times did Coach Fox's teams get close to 100 you could probably count it on one hand. It wasn't. It wasn't many. And I mean, Crump is like the. He was like always the, probably the most interesting guy in the Fox era because he would have like these games where he would he would. I mean, he wasn't six out of twelve, I guess, shooting three pointers like he was, but he would have good game shooting threes, and then all of a sudden, well, like, he was getting punished. Then a he lot. wouldn't play the next game, right? And yeah. it was stupid. I'll just go ahead and say no, it. it was. It was maddening. <laughs> but, but like one thought I've had about Crump though too is like, why does he only take three pointers? Because like he could probably score more points if they would let him. Like, hey, why don't you take some two pointers too? But mm-hmm. like he shot nothing but threes the other night, right. and he was really almost exclusively a three point shooter, even under Fox. You know, when he wasn't being benched. But that's what Tom Crean needs So I know in that system. So I know Crump's going to be a guy. The, the two guys I'm really looking for, you know, blossoming are Rayshon Hammonds and Nicholas Claxton. Claxton, yeah. I, I like Claxton a lot as a freshman. And I was uh, jokingly, I asked, uh, I asked Jeff, like, if during a scrimmage, you know, if the officials went to the monitors. Because I, I hate that. That's my least favorite thing now about college basketball is how the officials constantly run to the monitors to check things. 
But and he said, yeah, they did because there was like a little scuffle, I guess. Like Nick got into it, like a little shoving match. And I was like, see, that's what I liked about him. He's even as a freshman, like he had this little mean streak about him. And you know, you got to try and control it. I'm not talking about you want to get technicals and get ejected from games, but I like that little aspect of his game. So he was even feisty in a in an exhibition. Exactly. So I, for one, very much looking forward to it. Also, the Lady Dogs, uh, they'll have. Uh, projected to finish fourth in the sec i think they're gonna have another really good season and i think this is a uh, joni taylor's recruiting finally starting to to to, to be seen so sure. to speak so well, you know that the, one quick point about the amenda wrap up too and about their predicted order of finish that was that kind of caught me off guard that they were predicted 13 out of 14 in the uh in the sec race back during basketball media days and i to me it's i mean that's george is going to be better than that i mean i'm not expecting that Final Four, or even a team that's going to just jump right into the NCAA tournament, but we'll be better than 13th out of 14th in the SEC. I think Georgia's going to surprise some people. I really, really do. All right, Brian, we'll be back next week. We'll uh, preview the UMass game, I guess. No, nah, you know what? Here, how about this? If the Falcons beat the Clowns, they'll be over 500. That's right. So we can discuss them again. That's right, and I, and that's the thing. I didn't even think about talking about them. I guess we're not in that mindset, but the Bruce Irvin signing, I think, is really big for this team, especially because Vic Beasley's been crap. Well, and then I, I, I get. I mean, they can get Deion Jones back after Sunday. They can, so and that would be huge. And this sets up, you know, that game a few weeks ago, the game on Thanksgiving night against the Saints in New Orleans was starting to look like a little bit of a snoozer. That's going to be a super important game now. Huge. And, and here's the thing. The Falcons-Saints series is weird. Do I think the Falcons are going to go over there and win? I'm not going to call for that. But usually in this series, the team that wins the first game doesn't win the second game. Well, and just with the way the Falcons' offense is running right now, I mean, that's going to be another – I mean, it might end up just playing out like the game in Atlanta did too, where just you got to figure out a way to have the ball last. Yeah, so we'll go Falcons. And I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to beat the Browns. I don't think – I'm not really super worried about it. You have a little devilish <laughs> grin on your face over there. I mean, I, you know, come on. It's the, the Falcons going on the road. I don't think we could just lock that yeah, up but as the Browns are w. a mess, man. They got Greg Williams is their head coach true they got chubb though they do have chubb and baker they got chubb and baker and that's really about it i mean they yeah. have some defensive pieces actually I, I it's you i mean i know it's gonna sound crazy saying this but you go the the browns actually have uh an elite pass defense like one of the they best yeah. I mean, they, they lead the nfl in picks uh their opponent's passer rating is the worst in and the they NFL. can get after the quarterback so they've had a good pass defense and i don't know what the weather's gonna be but if it's cold windy up there i mean that could you know, that could hurt Atlanta's passing attack a little bit. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll hit the Falcons next week. And, you know, like I said, there's not really a whole lot to talk about with UMass other than if they don't if they don't wear black against Auburn, then Bram and I will spend a good chunk of next week's podcast predicting the blackout from UMass and how lame that is. Yes, <laughs> we're already on record. He's Chris Bram. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you all so much for joining us. Back next week right here on 960theref.com with another episode of the Crossover Podcast. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort.
Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.